are listening to an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. Welcome to another episode of Common Grounds, part of the Project Zion podcast. I'm Karen Peter, and we are having conversations here on Common Grounds about the liturgical or Christian calendar. So if you've been listening along, then you know that the Christian calendar um, starts with four Sundays before Christmas with the season of Advent, and it goes through Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, and Ordinary Time. And here on Common Grounds, we've been talking about the seasons and holy days of the calendar and how we can participate with our whole being through scripture and symbol and color and hymnody, how we can learn about it and really live the faith story, the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus in ways that increase our spiritual development and discipleship, not just in an individual way, but as a community. So today we're talking about Epiphany, and our guest is Pam Cress. Now, you may remember Pam. She was our guest when we talked about Monday, Thursday, back this spring. And Pam lives in Bonnie Lake, Washington, with her spouse, Eric. And she serves Community of Christ in the Greater Pacific Northwest Mission Center. And Pam is an evangelist and serves um, in that office as a minister of blessing, which is a wonderful lens for our conversation today, Epiphany or God Revealed. So, Pam, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you again. Well, it's nice to be um, looking at your face through the computer, although I did get to see you a couple of weeks ago yes. um, at church, and that was really nice. So, Pam, we're talking today about epiphany, and epiphany um, is a word that some people have run into before in a non-religious context as a kind of the light bulb above one's head when a new idea suddenly is uh, revealed to them. But when we're talking about it in the Christian context, what is epiphany? Well, um, the word has its roots in a, a meaning that means to show or to make known or to reveal. Um, and it's meant to, or the manifestation of the divinity of Christ. And some traditions will even say lighting. So light is very much a part of it. In fact, scripture talks about Christ as the light for the world, and we sing about Christ for the world, but it's also the idea that this divinity lights the world, God in Christ, Emmanuel with us, and so it's first revealed, it's revelation, it's manifestation, is the celebration of Epiphany. Okay, so that's when the light of Christ is revealed and when I was reading about this and kind of how it been expressed in different traditions, it talked about the fact that Epiphany used to be like all part of the same thing with Christmas. 
There was the nativity and the epiphany, but then they got separated out. What happened there? I think it was probably because religious leaders were trying to teach, you know, the the story. And so Epiphany makes note of the Christmas story in which um, there is this light that shines that um, leads what we've become to know as the three kings, although uh, history says there are probably a whole bunch of them, not just three of them. Um, and I would say religious leaders use it as a teaching tool because the three kind of symbolizes these three symbolic gifts that reveal the different aspects of Jesus. I would say it's a teaching tool. And in the Eastern Orthodox Church, um, they kind of uh, found the entire idea of epiphany on the baptism of Jesus, whereas in the Western um, Orthodox Church and many of the um, mainline denominations we know of tend to anchor it very deeply in the story of the Magi visiting the manger and falling down, wealth falling down to worship a king born into poverty. Um, and the revelation of the divinity of Christ to the broader world, to the, like I said, the, the larger world beyond um, just the Jewish people. So we could actually say the nativity is kind of God's manifestation to the people of Israel, whereas the epiphany is the revelation of God's manifestation to all the world. Yes, okay. absolutely. Light okay. for the entire world, not to be kept just to Israel. Not just Israel, or in our context, not just to ourselves. Right, exactly. So Epiphany happens on January 6th every year. Why is that? (laughs) Well, um, because uh, way back when they decided it would be so. Um, So it's the 12 (laughs) days of Christmas. And contrary to what television will tell you, it's not the 25 days of Christmas. (laughs) Um, It is the 12 days of Christmas. So there was a time when uh, religious leaders gathered. Uh, We participate in uh, the Gregorian calendar, which determines that Christmas will be celebrated on the 25th of December. And so 12 days after that, then is Epiphany. And it's always January the 6th. When we go to church, we tend to celebrate the Sunday after Epiphany, unless it actually happens on a Sunday, which it will in 2019, I think. Um, All right. Something to look forward to. Yes. Yes. So I noticed in our worship helps that, as you mentioned, it is usually the Sunday after that we celebrate it if it's not the sixth. But there also is a worship outline for Epiphany for congregations or groups or families that want to actually acknowledge or observe Epiphany on January 6th. There's a separate order of worship there, which I didn't realize before, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. So it is the 12 days um, after Christmas. And so Epiphany, as you mentioned, has been called Three Kings Day. Right. Or um, also Twelfth Night, right? Which um, Shakespeare referred to. <laughs> so yes. it's nice. So nice to know kind of how that all um, ties together. Uh-huh. So you talked about that uh, in the Western Church that it focuses on these three kings or magi or um, seers of some kind who mm-hmm. who follow the star in the story um, to find the the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. So. How did that story 
kind of become this feast of epiphany or this celebration or this important revelation of light to the greater world. So the idea of God uh, putting a star in the heavens that would eclipse all other light and that that would show the way for the world that this intersection of humanity and divinity had occurred. And and it's kind of interesting to me that, that these three kings or group of kings um, are more like um, wise persons or astrologists or they're even the early beginnings of scientists, if you will, kind of that study of the heavens. And to them, it portends something magnificent, something of, of royalty. And so they come um, uh, to follow that star and that is where this epiphany happens tradition or history kind of names them. Um, so they've been named Caspar, um, not the ghost, but Caspar, <laughs> Melchior, and Balthasar. Um, about the sixth century is when they actually got names, but those names actually mean something. And so as people begin to learn the story, they learn what those names mean. So Caspar means master of the treasure. And uh, Melchior is king, and the other Balthazar is protect the king, and it has to do with the gifts. So it has to do with the the gold that um, is a gift for a king, worthy of a king. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the myrrh that would um, kind of signify the embalming, or even some. Um, Theologians even call it the healing ministry of Jesus because myrrh was used for healing as well as embalming. And so, you know, it kind of is a portend of that healing ministry. And then the frankincense is kind of that, uh, that holy incense. So I think it was kind of meant to teach a story. What's interesting to me is that in some cultures, they celebrate it by the the father of the household going through the house, sharing incense throughout the house to kind of, well, you know, you could either go on the um, the side that says it's warding off evil spirits or the side is bringing blessing. <laughs> it depends on how you interpret it. Let's um, go with and, blessing for today's podcast. Yeah, and then so the <laughs> oldest child brings the, the holy water and, and they bless every room in the house. But they also not only bless the house, but they bless the doors. And so in a lot of traditions, Epiphany is the day when you chalk on the doorway um, to bless the door to the home um, that all might enter uh, there who would find blessing. And part of that is the uh, hospitality that was shown by Mary and Joseph um, in their humble um, surroundings as they invited these uh, wise men with their gifts into um, what would have been their temporary home. Um, so it kind of epitomizes hospitality. And then as they entered, they were blessed, um, blessed with this amazing light and revelation and gift. And so in a lot of cultures, there is chalking of the doorways. So I think it's kind of fun, and we could even think about ways to do that today. Um, but it's it's um, done with part of the year. So this is 2017. So the chalking would start with the number 20, and there would be a cross, and then the letter C for Caspar, 
and then another cross, and the letter M for Melchior, and a cross, and then B for Balthazar, and then a cross, and then 17. Or actually, Epiphany will occur in 18, so it would be an 18. Um, but also that CMB that can stand for the names of the three wise men can also um, stand for the Latin, um, which I won't try to butcher, but actually means bless this home. Um, Christ bring blessings to this home. So if every home of faith would chalk that over their doorway, it, it is a blessing to all who enter and all who dwell there, which I, I think is, is um, a wonderful way of kind of symbolizing um, how that, that scripture, how that story of, of the light of Christ plays out, you know, in regular life too. In bringing blessing to all. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, where would we find the scripture story about this epiphany experience? Mm -hmm. So it's only in um, the second chapter of Matthew that we even see the story of the Magi. And of course, it isn't called the Magi there. Um, uh, But that's where the story comes from in Matthew. And and in some religious traditions, they will even say there are four epiphanies. So the first one is um, the revelation that comes with the holy star um, guiding the wise men. And that revelation to the larger world that divinity has come to earth. Um, but then there's also the baptism story that would occur in the third chapter of Matthew um, about Christ being baptized and um and then again you know the heavens open and god speaks and says this is my beloved son hear him and and so that is another revelation or epiphany if you will a manifestation um another one is the wedding at cana um where jesus performs his first miracle and 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 turns water into wine and those around him um begin to recognize that something very different is occurring here and it's kind of the beginning of that um uh, ministry of healing and miracle um and then the transfiguration where Jesus goes to the mountain with his disciples and they see Moses and Elijah and these personages and Jesus is declared to be divine among them. And so in many ways, um, Epiphany is a celebration of all of those moments of God light um, where God says, this is my presence among you, never to leave you. Um, And it is in Jesus we find that divinity. So when we, when we talk about Epiphany then, rather than thinking about it as just January 6th that this transpires, rather January 6th is where we acknowledge that God's presence with us continues on our journey as well. Mm-hmm. Just as the divinity of Christ was revealed several times on his journey here on earth with us. Right. In fact, I think one of the blessings that could come out of this, and I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but you know, there is this, human phenomena we call the power of frequency illusion so it's like if i say there's a lot of white cars on the road and you never noticed there were any and now all you can see are white cars is because i brought your attention to it if we were to use that that very human um tendency that we have to say you know i see the christ light in you today when you did this or when I heard you say this, or in the loving action of, of this, 
if we were to talk about, you know, seeing Christ revealed um, in the actions or the words or in loving relationship with one another, my guess is we would see it more often, wouldn't we? Um, I, that's an exciting thought as, as we begin to have epiphanies all over the place. Um, the Christ light shining that has real power, I think. Well, our listeners can't see this, although I can see your face radiating with Christ light, even as you began to describe the potential for that kind of outlook um, right. in, in our lives. So as we've talked about this, you've talked a little bit about how um, it has been observed traditionally with the chalking of the doorways and some very tangible ways that we could make Epiphany real for us. How else did you discover that Epiphany has been observed or have, did you or have you learned any fun facts about Epiphany that you didn't <laughs> know before you began to prepare to, to talk about it with us today? Uh, I think in some cultures they have what they call star singing where the children kind of dress up like the kings and they carry a star and they go from door to door singing amongst the homes. And of course, um, there are the, the door chalkings. Um, and, and in some places, you know, um, the priests or the ministers would bless the chalk and then you go home and chalk your own door. Or sometimes there are processions where they go from home to home and chalk all of the doors. But the idea of the, the star and the, and, um, the crown and I could just see how fun that would be for children, you know, to dress up with their crowns and parade around with stars and, and do that kind of thing. If you're looking for fun facts, um, I know in Ireland, um, Epiphany is called Women's Christmas. Really? And yes. And, and it's, it's growing actually in popularity. So for women, it's a day off and the men do all the cooking and the housekeeping chores and the women celebrate with tea and cakes. And I'm not sure exactly why it all of a sudden becomes women's Christmas, but maybe it has something to do with honoring Mary. I really don't know, but I think that's kind of a, I don't know, why couldn't we do that? <laughs> um, um, also, there is this thought that you take down your Christmas decorations on Epiphany. And in some traditions, I understand that if you don't get them down on Epiphany, then the next possible time that you can, you can't take them down, um, until Candlemas, which is, um, February 2nd, which is the presentation of Jesus at the temple as a baby, uh, for blessing. And if you don't get them down for Candlemas, you are stuck with them until the next Epiphany. And so, I don't know, take those Christmas <laughs> decorations down. <laughs> Maybe we should observe that one a little more. Um. Perhaps. <laughs> so I have um, said before on the podcast that in our house this past year, we've been trying to, to visually remind ourselves of the different seasons that we're in. Um, throughout the liturgical year. And so we have decorated our, our mantle according to what season of the liturgical calendar we are in. And so at the beginning of the year last year, as we moved from Advent to Christmas and Christmas to Epiphany, I did that. Took everything down on Epiphany, except I left out all the gold and white candles because gold and white are the colors of Epiphany. And what I didn't do and what I will do this year is put some symbols up. And the symbols that come to me when I think about Epiphany and, and traditional symbols are, of course, the star and then also the crown that symbolizes for the king. But you lived down south for a while. <laughs> yes. And so 
there are some other aspects of this kind of symbolism and epiphany that happen down there. So would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I I lived uh, for years in the land of king cake, um, which is um, a tradition that is definitely very southern, but it it also um, plays out in other parts of the world. And so Epiphany is the first day when you may experience a king cake. And in this king cake, which I guess I'll talk from my personal experience. So, so in the southern United States, well, and not the entire South, just certain parts like New Orleans and Mobile and, and there are other portions, definitely South Mississippi where I, where I was living. Um, king cakes are all over the place. And so the tradition is, is it, it is a, a round um, or an oval-shaped cake. My favorite's the brioche, which is really fancy, and it's decorated with three colors of frosting, um, gold, green, and purple, which stand for justice and faith and power. Um, most people don't know that, and of course, those are also the colors of Mardi Gras. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it starts with the king cake, and in that cake, um, originally they used to, um, a small bean, but nowadays, it's almost always a plastic baby. And the tradition is, is that you cut the cake into as many pieces as you have people. You gather people for a celebration for Epiphany. And you actually cut one extra piece. And that's for the unknown guest um, that will yet need to encounter the light of Christ. Um, but when you cut the cake up into as many pieces as you have participants... Inevitably, someone gets the baby. And in that, then that person becomes the king or the queen for the day. And when bakeries sell them, they will also usually include a little paper crown um, so that you have a crown so you can crown the king or the queen for the day. Um, but with um, royalty comes responsibility. And so while you are treated um, with deference for the day, for the gathering, you are also obligated to provide the next king cake, which down south can be tomorrow or next week. And so it begins to repeat itself. Then you cut the cake again. There's a new king or queen, usually a new cake. And you go that way all the way clear up until Ash Wednesday, which begins Lent, right? It does. Uh, But in some ways, it is a sustaining kind of celebration that reminds us that Christmas isn't done when the decorations go down, but that the light of Christ remains with us. And that kind of tradition is a fun one, I think. Um, Well, it is. And it also continues this theme that you talked about earlier when you talked about the three kings arriving and Mary and Joseph offering them hospitality. Mm -hmm. By having an extra piece of the king's cake, you're you're continuing that extension of hospitality, of providing for those who have not yet Um, and the continuing the tradition and the king now offers hospitality to others with the cake and it goes on and on and on in a cycle of hospitality that um, I hadn't really connected with Epiphany before and I will from now on. Um, So thank you for that. So um, when we talk about Epiphany, especially in a life of community of Christ, do you have any personal memories about uh, observing or celebrating Epiphany? When you were growing up? No, not at all, to be honest with you. Other than singing We Three Kings of Orient are, 
you know, I, I just, that's the hymn I associate with Epiphany and, and, of course, that scripture text in Matthew. But I don't, you know, until we began to embrace as a faith movement the liturgical calendar, I don't think Epiphany was really anything that I remember ever being recognized. And, and when we do recognize it, it just becomes the emphasis um, for the text for Sunday worship. And a way of somehow stretching Christmas. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, we like, we like the warmth and the love and the celebration that comes with that. And somehow it just always feels like a kind of way of extending that, but, but no specific memories. I, I really don't have any. Um, but I do think that it has potential power. Um, one thing we do in Community of Christ is we're kind of, of um, free form with our worship and we find ways to incorporate meaning I think in new ways all of the time um, uh, in, in some ways we almost um, create tradition and discard it equally with, when it doesn't serve its purpose anymore so here we go I think that we can all say that there is great lament within at least the U.S. culture of the commercialization of Christmas. And there's really no escape from that. I, you can't hide from it. I, as much as you would like to say, oh, we are a people of faith or a family of faith, and, and we're constantly going to point out the Christ message in Christmas, eh, it still gets enfolded and all this other stuff, right? So I think that epiphany could actually be within the spiritual life of our of the the church community um our families and our children could be the antidote to that so if you celebrated the 12 days of christmas and in that you could do all kinds of things um i i just lots of things come to mind helping children understand that they have gifts and even as the three wise men brought gifts to honor the Christ child, that we were, we've been given gifts. We were born with gifts. And how is it that we give those gifts to the Christ child? Um, I think we give them by, you know, using our gifts to bless another. Um, children could be taught very early, first of all, to identify their gifts. You know, if a child has the gift of, of singing or drawing or whatever, then they're encouraged to do that and share it sometime during the 12 days of Christmas. Acts of kindness, both for um, people near and far. So I think sometimes we can, you know, we do things like we give hats and gloves, um, you know, uh, for, for people we know that are homeless or we try to feed them or, you know, give gifts at Christmas time. Um, but we could also think about doing like something for Outreach International, um, which is a more global perspective about, you know, having children, um, collect money for a chicken and buy a chicken. Um, through Outreach International or a goat, I mean, you could really get extravagant, um, where, where the children have a goal of giving. Um, and that is a gift they give to honor Christ, who was born among the most humble of us because God has a preference for the poor. Um, and I think honoring that in, in the lives of our children is a powerful thing. Maybe even giving them a star when um, when we see the Christ in them. So it's back to that 
power of the frequency of illusion. That idea that uh, the more often I see Christ-like behavior, then I'll award it. And maybe there could be this 12 Days of Christmas collection of stars. Um, and, you know, even some of us as grown-ups could maybe get a star once in a while. You just never know. That would be um, awesome. I could use a star. Yeah, sure. really. But, you know, that kind of acts of kindness thing. So sometimes it would be an expression of, of our gifts, but sometimes just acts of kindness. I even see the the chalking of doors as potential. So huh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind someone writing a chalk on my door. I just I think there's ways you could do that. Whether you could, if you live in a, a faith community where you're close enough to go scribble on each other's doors, you can do the whole um, year thing separated with, and maybe not the initials of the three kings, but the initials of the people who dwell within and the crosses. Wouldn't that be a fun kind of thing? Or you could even make a small, have kids make um, small posters or ribbons with the same kind of symbolism and take them to people whose doorway happens to be in a hospital room or um, in a nursing home or, you know, in some place um, where they just really need blessing. And that would be an expression for the children to bring the light of Christ into what would otherwise maybe be a rather dark um, situation or a lonely one. The kind of um, sharing gifts with intention. If you started that with Epiphany, you know, you could have a really cool king cake party or, um, or a door blessing, you know, kind of, of party or beginning of the, the season of stars. Um, and bless the 12 days of Christmas. So Christmas becomes the beginning of it. But then, um, when you hit epiphany, you've kind of hit the uh, the peak or the the you know the crown of <laughs> of this time of celebration of Christ among us um, and the light that that brings and the light of Christ as we find it in one another and and in our children and our youth I just see it as a powerful antidote to that kind of commercial Christmas I think those are terrific ideas Pam and. And I can envision with our family, with kids and grandkids of all ages, and some who participate in Christian community and some who do not, it's still the whole idea of this uh, light of the divine revealed in family and recognized in family and noticed in family mm-hmm. uh, would truly be a blessing. So thank you for that. I'm hoping our listeners have all kinds of ideas developing in yes. their minds yes. um, from that as well. So when we, when we talk about living the Christian calendar, we're talking about doing so um, in ways that shape and form us spiritually. So not just from what you've already learned um, about the experience of Epiphany, and but maybe more from your ministry as an evangelist. How do you see Epiphany, the scriptures of Epiphany, the traditions of Epiphany, the expression of, of Epiphany, shaping and forming us as disciples of Jesus. Mm. So I think it was St. Arrhenius who said that we become like what we gaze upon. Um, and, well, maybe he didn't say that, but he also, he, 
in Epiphany, he said that Christ is declared among those who did not seek him. I think the real gift of Epiphany is this declaration of Christ for the world, a world that wasn't looking for him, a world that wasn't seeking him, and probably in many cases still isn't today. But if we do become what we gaze upon, as some ancient theologian said, to gaze upon the Christ light in every life we encounter, to understand that God's intention was to bless the entire creation in incarnation, you know, that it was meant to be a blessing for the entire world. And that if we gaze upon that light, I think we have the opportunity to become that light more completely, more fully. We have a world that is very often uh, feels dark. And, and you hear people these days talk about the growing darkness or, or they even despair as if the darkness is somehow one. And darkness and light will never be friends. But the important thing to remember, I think, is that the light will always chase away the dark. Where there is light, dark goes away. And if we become those who gaze on the light, you know, those who see the light, um, of Christ in others, then the light grows and the darkness diminishes. And so it is we journey toward the kingdom of Christ. It's beautiful, Pam. So as we, um, dear listeners, and you and I, Pam, as we um, out here in the Pacific Northwest, as we approach Epiphany for 2018, may we indeed look for and recognize the Christ light um, in others. And I thank you so much for leaving us with that, that challenge and that blessing as we go forward. I was looking for um, a prayer or a poem to close this episode with, and I found on the Vanderbilt Divinity Library page this short epiphany uh, prayer. Radiant morning star. You are both guidance and mystery. Visit our rest with disturbing dreams and our journeys with strange companions. Grace us with the hospitality to open our hearts and homes to visitors filled with unfamiliar wisdom, bearing profound and unusual gifts. Amen. Amen. And you have offered us a profound and unusual uh, gift today, Pam. <laughs> so thank you to you for this conversation about Epiphany. And I do hope that it generates new ideas for folks to make Epiphany a more meaningful experience in their spiritual journey. That's right. Take down the decorations <laughs> and celebrate the light. <laughs> celebrate the light. Yeah. So for uh, my friend, Pam Cress, I'm Karen Peter. And this is Common Grounds, part of the Project Zion podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Project Zion podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode 
are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines. 